Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. I am humbled and grateful today to be here with you and to tell you once again, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I got to tell you, this has been the single hardest year, not month, but year of my life. It has been the year with the most losses that I've experienced, it has been the year, ironically, with the most victories I've experienced. It has been the single hardest year of my life, while at the same time being the single greatest year of my life. Funny how that seems to work out like that. For those of you that don't know, I suffered a brain aneurysm on Monday, November 14th, that led to a hemorrhagic stroke. More specifically, it's called a basal ganglia stroke. I've heard from doctor friends, they've said, if you're going to have a stroke, the basal ganglia stroke is not the one you want to have. The basal ganglia is an area in the center part of your brain that kind of connects the entire brain. It connects all the activity and the brain parts and their function, and it plays a vital role in relaying messages, and it plays a vital role in controlling movement and moderating your emotions. Absolutely crazy. I mean, I had zero health problems. I don't take blood pressure medicine. I didn't have blood pressure problems. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't use drugs. I don't even take any medicine at all for anything. Yet on November 14th, I suffered one of the most dangerous strokes you can have. So yes, I'm humbled and I'm grateful to God to be able to say to you again this year in 2022, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry, Merry Christmas. I don't know if you guys remember Monday, November 14th. That's the day I had the stroke. But if I could remind you on Friday, November 11th, Impact Church released our very first worship song called he is the miracle in fact it released on friday but on sunday november 13th it climbed up the itunes charts all the way to number one i could not believe it absolutely incredible so on november 11th we release a song on november 13th the song goes to number one on the itunes charts then on november 14th I have a brain aneurysm. Let me tell you what I believe in case you don't already know. This is not a coincidence. November 14th is not a coincidence. This was personal. This was a demonic attack on my life because we are in a constant spiritual battle. This is warfare. But I want you guys to know that I'm here to fight. I am here to fight and I am in it to win it. 
because I believe that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. On Friday, January 13th, which is just a few weeks out, our second song is going to drop and it's called I Need Jesus. Our second song is going to be released on January 13th. And let me tell you, it is absolute fire, y'all. I mean, it is fire. So good. I can't wait for this to be in everybody's hands, everybody's ears. So I want to make a public announcement today. I want the whole world to know. I want all of heaven to know. And I want all of hell to know that I plan on storming the gates of hell. And I'm going to be preaching live and in person for the first time on January 15th. I don't care. I don't care if I don't care if I have to preach with a blood pressure cuff hanging from my arm. I'm going to preach live and in person on January 15th. And I want you here to be with me. Will you do that? Look at somebody and say, you better be here. You better be here on January 15th because we're going to storm the gates of hell together. And I want you in this fight with me. In the meantime, I have been working my tail off. I got to tell you, I have been going to rehab on rehab on rehab. I have been going to rehab six days a week uh, since I got out of the hospital on November 18th. I've been going to physical therapy. I've been going to cognitive therapy. I've been going to occupational therapy, speech therapy. I'm starting hyperbaric therapy this Monday. And I am getting better and better and stronger and stronger. I'm gaining my cognition back. I'm gaining my memory back. I'm gaining my speech back. But I still have a long way to go. I still have work to do. Uh, The right side of my entire body is still completely numb. From the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, it's completely numb. This sermon took me probably five times as long as it does normally to write because of my typing being affected by uh, a just partial feeling, partial feeling in my hand that doesn't allow it to do what it needs to do. The right side of my face is numb. Uh, the right side of my tongue, inside my cheek, it's all numb. So I'm intentionally trying to talk like I normally talk. Otherwise, I'd just be pushing everything out this side because it is numb. And I just want to say today, I am thankful for all of my doctors, all of my therapists who are helping me because it is helping tremendously. You know, I wanted to start by taking a minute and sharing part of my stroke story, but I'm going to share the rest of it on January 15th. But I wanted to share part of it on November 14th on that Monday, about 3 p.m., my wife and I, Natalie, and my youngest daughter, Jazzy, she's 13, we came to the church. It's our day off normally, Monday. We came to the church and my wife was going to do some work. And and Jazzy and I, we're going to run to Target and get a few items and, uh, The first thing I noticed is I got in the car and in my right hand, I had a handful of grapes and, and, and I just dropped a grape. That's the first thing I just dropped a grape. Then I dropped another grape, then another grape. Then pretty soon I I had dropped five grapes that had fallen down onto the floorboard of my car. Now, as weird as that was, and it was weird, I just chalked it up to, 
I had done these ice plunges that morning, these ice, you know, ice plunges that you do, which by the way, I don't recommend those for nobody. They're not, they're, they're painful. A two minute ice plunge. I thought a couple hours later, I just must be known a little bit known still from this ice, ice plunge. And so Jazzy and I, we get to target, we walk inside and, and then I went to text Natalie about these grapes. And as I was trying to text her, I realized my right thumb wouldn't do what it normally does. It was numb as well. And it was, it was heavy. It wasn't able to text correctly. I was typing jumbled letters. And so I called Natalie uh, and, and she, she immediately called me. Actually, she called me and she was concerned. And she said, Travis, I want you to go back out to your car. I'm coming to get you. Now, listen, I got to tell you as Much of an attack as this is, God has been with me through every step of the way. He has been every step of the way. He has been my provider and my protector every step of the way. Do you know that Natalie's car was here? And that was a miracle in itself because the day before from church, uh, we left her car here. We were going to come get it the next day. We haven't done that in years. We always take both cars home. So the fact that she had a car here and was able to leave and immediately get to me is an absolute miracle and a sign of God's provision. She gets the target. She picks us up and uh, we get to the house and, and and she wants to call 911, you know, and of course I don't want to call 911 because as y'all know, Flavor Flav said 911 is a joke in your town. And so I did not want to call 911 because I thought this is probably just from the ice plunge and I don't want to go wait and ER. And, and so I said, babe, give me five, give me, give me an hour. Let me go sleep for an hour. I'll just sleep. And if, if it's not gone in an hour, then, uh, then we'll, we'll call 911. Well, I went to bed and five minutes later, I got back up because something did not seem right. As soon as I got up, Natalie walked in the bedroom because she just wasn't going to leave it alone because she was a concerned praying wife. And, and so she calls 911 And this is what she says. This wasn't even on my radar screen. She says to the dispatcher, she said, I think my husband is having a stroke. You know, that thought never even crossed my mind. I was thinking about the ice plunge, the cold plunge. I think my husband might be having a stroke. And the paramedic said, well, you need to have him lay down flat on his back. If you think that, and listen, the paramedics arrived with felt like three minutes. They must've just been down the road, another miracle of God. And, and, and as they did their thing and they checked me out, you know, Natalie's Natalie, Natalie's Hey, you've heard the saying about a woman's intuition. Come on. Everybody's heard that the a woman's intuition. And that is true, but there is something also about a Holy ghost spirit filled woman of God who is also led by God, who also hears from God. And that is my wife, Natalie, she is a one, a powerful woman of God. And, and so she's trying to tell me she's tra- trapped. You need to, you need to take the, the ambulance in. And I'm like, nah, you know what? You just take me and drop me off. And she's like, Trav, you're going to spend five hours sitting there if I take you. And, and so I looked at the paramedics, this one gentleman, I said, what? I said, what do you guys think? And this, I wish I, I wish I had his name, but this one guy, He said, pastor, as a congregant of your church, I also think you should take the ambulance in. Can you believe that? 
that God sent a messenger from my own church into my house to also say what Natalie's already been saying. If I would have just listened to her next thing, you know, I'm on the stretcher board and I'm heading out to the ambulance. I'm literally shouting to my family. I'm saying, it's okay, guys. Don't worry. I'll be okay. I'll see you in a few. I'm going to get checked out real quick. I get on the ambulance and boom, it hits. I don't remember the ambulance ride to the hospital from my house. None of it. I vaguely remember getting a CAT scan. Uh, when I got to vaguely, vaguely remember, I vaguely remember getting stretchered back out to a helicopter to transport me to a level one trauma center. I vaguely remember seeing my wife and pastor Andre as I got to the helicopter, they were standing right there waiting. And I do remember, I do remember as clear as day, my wife giving me a kiss and taking a picture with me right before I got on that helicopter so that she could show our kids. She didn't know if that was the last time she would see me. She didn't know if that was the last picture my kids would have of me. So I get to the trauma center, which I don't remember. And apparently, they would come check me, these neurological tests, every hour on the hour, basically. And they would check my peripheral vision, right? And how many fingers am I holding up? And they would check my smile. They'd have me smile. And, you know, they're trying to, trying to check uh, if my arms, ha- have me lift up my arms. And th- this right one just wouldn't. I could lift it a little bit, but it wouldn't lift to the same level as, as my left arm. It just lift a little bit. They'd ask me to touch my nose and I'd touch my chin or, or my cheek. Uh, they would show me these pictures uh, of things happening and they'd want me to describe what was happening. And, and I didn't know. I wasn't making any sense. I was uh, talking gibberish and I couldn't make out my words. And they would ask me questions and I just couldn't answer them. I couldn't answer them. Simple questions. Like, what's your name? Like, what's your date of birth? Like, what's today's date? Do you know where you are? They asked me my kids' names. I have three kids, Kylie, Josiah, and Jazzy. They asked me my my kids' names. And I said 40. 40, the number 40. And then Natalie said, I got this sad and frustrated look on my face. And I looked at Natalie and I was crying and I don't recall any of this. And she said, I looked at her with tears and I said, as plain as day, count it all joy, count it all joy. I've titled this year's Christmas Eve message. Count it all joy. 
Count it all joy. Would you look at somebody right now and tell them, count it all joy? Count it all joy. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is found in the book of James, and it's chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says this, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Impact Church, you can count it all joy when you fall into various trials. What trial have you fallen in today? What trial are you facing? What trial are you up against today? The fact is, is the Christmas season, it can be filled with trials. The Christmas season can be so stressful. It can be so overwhelming. It can be financially difficult. It can be lonely where you can feel alone. Uh, It can remind us uh, of people's the relationships that we've lost in the past, right? I went through a divorce this last year. This could be your first Christmas as uh, being divorced. This could be your first Christmas being a widow. It can remind you of people that are no longer in your life. My grandmother, my grandma Hearn passed away this last summer and uh, that was devastating blow to me. I was very, very, very close to my grandma Hearn. And this is my first Christmas without Grandma Hearn. He says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Not if you fall into various trials. He says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. This is heaven, right? This is not, this is, uh, this is earth. This is not heaven. Jesus said, while we're on this earth, it rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. That bad things happen to good people. And good things happen to bad people. Life is not fair. I count it all joy when I go through various trials. I count it all joy that I had a stroke. Why? Why? Why can you count it all joy? I want to give you four reasons today. The reasons that you can count it all joy when you go into various trials. The, the, The first reason is that Jesus is my joy. Jesus is my joy. (laughs) Nothing in this world can take the place of Jesus Christ being my total joy in my life. Jesus is my joy. Jesus is my joy. I can count it all joy because he is my joy. I can't get fulfillment from money, from success, from degrees or education. I I get joy from Jesus. Jesus alone is my joy. So I count it all joy because no matter how hard life is, I've got Jesus with me that nobody can take Jesus away from me. No spiritual attack can ever take Jesus away from me. The devil can't steal your joy. You would have to give your joy away because Jesus is my joy. Many of you know that the apostle Paul is my favorite person in the Bible next to Jesus, of course, but I love the apostle Paul. He wrote 14 books of the new Testament. In fact, he, he, he wrote, he not only wrote 14 books. He started 14 churches in very strategic locations in the new Testament. But I love Paul. He wrote my favorite book, my favorite book in the Bible. My favorite book of all the books is the book of Philippians. And you know, you know what Philippians is called? 
Philippians. Philippians is called the book of joy. Y'all It's called the book of happiness. That's what Philippians call. It's called the book of joy, even though it was written while Paul was in prison. We have a book that Paul wrote in prison and we call it the joy book, the book of joy, the book of happiness. Paul wrote this under great duress, under great trial. In fact, he says this in Philippians 1.30. He says, you've seen my struggle in the past and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. You've seen me struggling. Man, I've been struggling. You've seen my struggle in the past, but I'm still in the middle of this struggle. And this was just one of his trials. Uh, He tells us in Corinthians that he had been put in prison many times. He said that he had been shipwrecked uh, three different times. He had been whipped too many times to count. Five different times he was whipped with the 39 lashes. You know what that is? It's like a whip with 39 whips on it. (laughs) They would just whip you and whip you and whip you. But 39 times so that the 40th was known to kill a man. So you can only legally have... 39 whippings. Uh, Three times he was beaten with rods. He said, I've gone hungry. I've gone thirsty. I went without clothes. Uh, I I wasn't able to keep warm. He says, I was stoned. (laughs) And no, not not on happy weed. Not the kind that y'all probably are thinking about while it's the joy book. It's not the joy book for that reason. He's been in prison for spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's suffering. He's in trial. But I love his attitude. Listen what he says in Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. He says, for to me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Jesus Christ. Don't you love that? He's saying, for me, to live is Christ. But to die is gain. I gain my, my heaven, my home, my eternal home, my eternal glorified body. I gain intimacy like I've never experienced it with God Almighty. Right? He says, for me to live is Christ. Man, if I'm alive, it's about Christ. It's about Christ. That's all it's about. God, let my life be about you. God, thank you for sparing my life. God, I want to be fruitful for your kingdom and for your good work. I don't want to do anything else, God, except your work. Let me be fruitful. Then he goes on to say two chapters later in Philippians chapter three, verses seven and eight. He said, I once thought all these things were valuable. I I love this. Pay attention. I once thought all these things. What are all these things in your life right now? What are all these things that you think are valuable? That's what he said. I once thought all these things were valuable, but now, but now see life has a funny way of teaching us, man has a funny way of teaching us some things. He says, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes. Everything else is worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Don't you love that? He's saying that nothing in life matters 
more than a relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing in life matters more than God. Listen, whatever trial you're going through today, God is still on the throne and he is ultimately in control of the entire universe. God is control. You can count it all joy because Jesus is your joy. I I love the Christmas story because the Christmas story is a story of joy, right? It's a story that Jesus is our joy. We sing joy to the world. Uh, we, 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 we come together and we, we read scriptures about joy. But Jesus is our joy. Jesus is our savior. He's our savior. He saves us, right? He is salvation. I, I want to read to you part of the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. And this is what it says. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in their, in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory shone of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. Watch this. Verse 10, and an angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great, what? Joy that will be for all people. I'm bringing you good news that of great joy that's going to be for everyone, not a select group, not a select tribe, not a select area. It will be for everyone, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. A savior is born for who, for who he said it for you, for unto you, a savior is born for you. That's what Christmas is all about. The savior, our savior that was born for us, that would also later go on to die for us. In the book of Isaiah, this book was written 700 years before our Savior's birth. Now imagine, this is a prophecy, 700 years in advance, right? It'd be like me telling the future right now, 700 years in advance about some epic event that's going to take place, (laughs) the most epic event that's going to take place. And this is what the prophecy said, Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, for unto us, For unto us, there it is again, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. I love that. We have been sent a savior who can save us, Impact Church. We have been sent a savior who can rescue us, who can deliver us, who can heal us, who can save us from our sins, who can save us from oppression and depression, who can save us from addiction, who can save us from running off the path and getting into the wayward land of life. He can save us and deliver us and set us free. We have a savior that can heal us. We have a savior that can protect us even in dire situations. He can protect us in our trials. He saves us. He saves us from eternal damnation. He saves us from separation 
with God forever and ever and ever. He saves us. He is our salvation. So I can count it all joy because Jesus is my joy. The second reason I can count it all joy is because trials, listen, give me new opportunities. Trials give me new opportunities. You'll have opportunities during this trial that you would have never otherwise had. This trial, it's going to present you with some doors that will be open that would never have otherwise been open. Opportunities for new relationships. Opportunities for new challenges. Opportunities for new goals, new, new visions, new dreams. Hey, listen, you know, sometimes life delivers a trial that allows you a chance to start over. A trial that, man, I got to rebuild myself. I got to reinvent myself. Trials that that, that change your lifestyle. I'm going to get physically healthy. I'm going to get emotionally healthy. I'm going to get mentally healthy. I'm going to get spiritually healthy. Listen, I had a brain aneurysm. A hemorrhagic basal ganglia stroke. It actually sounds crazy for me to verbalize that out loud. I'm like, what? I, I, ne- I think I never even had a cavity in my life. I'm like, what? I have been perfect health until now. I have a hard time even understanding what happened. I had a stroke. You know, I've worked out so much. <laughs> one thing, one thing, one new opportunity about this stroke is I've been working out y'all. I, I, I've worked out more in the last four weeks than I've worked out in like the last 15 years put together. I mean, I am working out. I'm getting, I'm getting full of the, the swole ghost. I'm getting, I'm getting ripped and righteous and, and I've been working out. And, and I went from drinking uh, these sweetened coffees. Don't act like y'all don't do it. You drink these sweetened coffees all day, every day. And, and for me, you know, I, probably one every on, on the hour. I got to have another one hit me. You know, just, just intravenously give it to me. And, and I got to tell you, for five weeks straight, I've been drinking one black coffee called Bulletproof. Do your homework. Bulletproof. One black coffee every morning. And that is it. So... So, hey, I'm working on my health, man. I'm working on my, 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 my spiritual, mental, emotional, everything, right? My, my physical fitness. But guess what? Another thing this stroke has allowed me to do is share Jesus and his love with people I would never have before met. Many, 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 many people. Uh, new people, new friends, doctors, uh, therapists specialists, all kinds of people that I would never have met. I would have never had this opportunity. You want to know how cool my speech therapy is? My speech therapist and my doctor asked me if I wanted to preach parts of my sermons to them to practice getting my speech back on track. Like, um, yes, I would like to do that. That's kind of my thing is to preach. Listen, trials bring New opportunities, new doors can open for you. And that's the mindset we have to have when we're in trials. We have to have that same mindset as the Apostle Paul. I want to read to you his mindset right here in Philippians 1 verse 12. 
He said, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything has happened to me here has helped spread the good news. Everything that's happened to me here, it all has done is help spread the gospel for everyone here, including the whole palace guard. They know that I'm in chains because of Christ and because of my imprisonment. Most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Man, I love this. He's saying, I got locked up to set people free. I got locked up to set people free because, he says, because I'm in prison. The gospel of Jesus has spread because I'm in prison. Other believers are gaining confidence. Listen, impact family, because of your trial, because of your challenges, great things are going to happen too. God-sized things are going to happen as well. Too many times, too many times we feel sorry for ourselves. You know, we mope and we, we, we moan and we groan and we gripe and we complain about our problems and how bad life is and how bad everything is. We have a bad attitude about life. But understand this. Understand this, that your words hold power. Proverbs 18 says that your words have the power of life and death in them. Your words have power. And I believe the words you use today will dictate your tomorrow. Your words have power. You can either speak curses into existence or you can speak blessings into existence. I choose to speak life. I choose to speak victory. I choose to speak joy. I choose to speak healing. I choose to speak deliverance in Jesus name. I claim and I proclaim the word of God, his promises over your life, over your health, over your mind, over your children, over your husband, over your wife. Trials present new opportunities. The third reason that I can count it joy is because trials deepen my faith and my trust in Jesus. Trials deepen my faith and my trust in God. You've heard me say it many times that you're never as close to Christ as when you're in a crisis. You're never as close to Jesus as when you're in the middle of the storm. You're never as close to crisis when you're in the middle of a crisis. So these trials, they help deepen our roots. They help deepen our faith. It's a saying you've heard me say this before. You never know God is all you need until God is all you have. Some of you are right there today. You never know God is all you need until you know that he's all you've got. You can trust God. God's got you. He's got your situation. He's got that relationship. You can trust God. I want to read to you Philippians 4. Let's get back to it. Verses 6 through 8. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and our minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Ready for this? Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Fix your thoughts. I love those three words. Fix your thoughts. Look at someone and tell them, fix your thoughts. 
Fix your thoughts. Colossians 3.2 says something similar. He says, set your mind on things above. Set your mind on things above. Get your mind out of the gutter and get your mind on God. Get your mind out of the gutter and get your mind on God. Set your mind on things above. You know what the difference between worry and worship is? The difference between worry and worship is perspective. The difference between worry and worship is perspective. Because when I'm worried, I'm thinking about my problems. I'm thinking about my situation. I'm thinking about my fears. I'm thinking about my valleys, trials, my shadows of death. But when I'm focused on God, I'm thinking about his glory, his power, his promises, his faithfulness, his goodness. So I fix my mind on things above. I fix my mind on things above. When I was in the hospital, all I wanted was worship to be played. I'd ask my family, will you play some worship songs? I'd ask friends that came by to visit, would you play worship songs? I wanted to hear words. I wanted to hear, he is the miracle. We would play it. He is the miracle. I, I was saying, man, I want to hear this. I want to hear this. I want to hear that. Daniel and Amelia, they were, uh, they were with me. And, and I said, hey, can you guys sing for me? Come on, just sing. I just, come, gather around. Let's just hold hands and let's just sing worship songs together. I, I just wanted to keep my focus on God's glory, on God's goodness, God's power. And so Daniel and Amelia, they start singing songs in my hospital room. <laughs> How spoiled is that? Stroke patient. <laughs> Have Daniel and Amelia singing, keeping my mind fixed on God. My wife kept praying and 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 worshiping and worshiping, fixing her mind on God, fixing her mind on the word of God and not the words of the doctors. Now, Natalie is my anchor. She is our family's anchor. I have told that woman that for 25 years. She is my anchor. But one doctor, one doctor told my wife, that she should prepare herself because the effects of a basal ganglia stroke, they're irreversible. Well, I got news for you, Mr. Doctor. They're being reversed right before our very eyes, day by day and hour by hour. God is kind of known for reversing things. He kind of built his entire reputation on reversing things. So whatever your trial is today, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. God's got you. God's got them. God's got him. God's got her. God's got your son. God's got your daughter. God's got that grandchild. God's got your relationship. God's got tomorrow. You can trust him. Allow this trial to draw you closer to Jesus. Allow this trial to make you into and turn you into a prayer warrior. Allow this trial to turn you into a worshiper of God Almighty. Allow this trial to dig your roots deeper into God's work. See, God's not only working on your trial, he's using this trial to work on you. Trials deepen your faith and your trust in God. And number four is this, is it trials they make me stronger and softer. Trials, they make me stronger and softer. 
you know, we've all heard this saying that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And, 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 and I don't know the validation from a worldly perspective for that, but, but there, there, there's some biblical truth to it because, uh, the biblical truth, I, I'm thinking of scriptures like, uh, Paul wrote these, by the way, in Ephesians six ten. be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be strong in the what? In the Lord and the power of his might. So I'm going to get stronger. Trials make me stronger because my strength comes from the Lord, not from myself, not from, from my thinking, not from, oh, I'm going to try to manifest something. No, no. It comes from God and God only. Right? He says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Second Corinthians 10, Paul said, when I am weak, come on, Impact Church, then I am strong. When I'm weak, he is strong. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. All messages from the Apostle Paul. The truth is, God wants, God wants to be your strength. God wants you to be spiritually stronger, but the only way you can be stronger is by God. You lean on him. You trust in him. You abide in him. You depend on him. So trials, they make you stronger. But they also make you softer. Trials make you tougher. And if they're utilized the right way, they make you more tender. Trials have a funny way of making you more humble, more compassionate, more empathetic, more sympathetic, more sensitive, more merciful, more tender hearted more gentle, more kind, more loving. You know, we think of tough and stuff, such a worldly perspective. But tough is about finding strength in God and about becoming what God wants us to become. Tender, gentle, kind, loving. You know, hey, listen, I got news for y'all. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you need to be a bad A. Right? Nowhere, nowhere in the Bible, not even the book of hallucinations, does it say you need to be a bad B, a bad B, a bad A, M, effort. None of that. None of that. What God is saying, I want you to be kind, tender, sweet spirited, gentle, loving, like our Savior. In fact, this is what the Bible says in Ezekiel 36. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. And I will remove your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. He wants to give you that same heart that he has. Man, I know that some dads, they never tell their kids, I love you. There's some dads that never hug their kids. Like, come on, today's the day, dads. Time to hug the kids. Time to say, I love you. It's okay. Be tender. Be like Christ. Be filled with love. You say, man, you know, your father didn't do it. His grandfather did it. It probably hadn't probably 15 generations of the, you can break this generation. Now we need to be tenderhearted, loving, compassionate, empathetic, sympathetic, full of mercy. Listen, when you feel pain, it makes you aware of other people's pain. When you experience trauma, you see life through a different set of lenses. I can tell you that I will never look at stroke survivors the same way again. I can tell you that I will never view those who've lost a loved one due to a stroke the same way ever again. 
Because pain changes you. It changes you. This is what it says in Proverbs 20 verse 30. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Listen, your pain, it's true. It has a purpose. Your pain has a purpose. Let me say it like this. Don't waste your pain. Don't waste. Don't mishandle, mismanage, missteward your pain. Because God wants you to use your story for his glory. Count it all joy and use my pain, my trial to help somebody else. And I want to close with this scripture. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 and 4. It says, praise be to the God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The father of all compassion and the God of all comfort. You ready for this? Who comforts us in all of our troubles. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. That's what it's saying is that your pain has a purpose. Your pain has a purpose that I use my trial, that I use my trauma, that I use my valley, that I use that fire I was in, that I use that storm I was in and I don't waste it. I actually use it for God's glory and for God's kingdom. I'm going to ask you, would you bow your heads with me and let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this great day. God, we say Merry Christmas to you, Father. God, we celebrate your birth today. We celebrate our Savior today. God, we are grateful for our salvation. God, we're grateful for joy. God, today we stand before you and we surrender our lives to you. If you're here today, listen, if you're here today and you've never taken a step to become a Christian, I want you to do that right now. Would you do that right now? You take this, you say, you pray in your heart, Jesus, today, I want to become a Christian. I want to live for you. Thank you for dying for me. Go ahead, pray that. I want to live for you. Thank you for dying for me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my failures. In Jesus' name. God, I pray for those going through trial today. God, you are our victory. You are our victory. God, I prophesy today. I declare, I proclaim that they will have victory in Jesus name and that good will come out of bad and that God will be glorified because of this and that people will find the love of Jesus because of this trial. We love you, God. We pray this in Jesus name. We all say amen. Merry Christmas, Impact family. Merry Christmas and happy new year. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and get you more connected. Visit www.impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.